that is in order to switch careers. So there's, uh-huh. there's two, there's two pathways and sometimes it's a both and. Uh-huh. So sometimes people are switching careers. They might want to take the skills that they already have developed and, and sort of pick them up and move them into another industry. Sometimes people want to do something completely different. They want to learn a new skill set or they want to really take on a different functional role and they want to move into a new industry. So depending on how, how big a change they want to make, that's going to take a certain amount of time. Usually a lot, it could take a lot of time. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Have you guys ever had a prospect tell you yes, but then disappear off the face of the earth? Or maybe you've given someone on your team very clear instructions just to find out that they actually did the opposite. I know that I've struggled with these challenges more than I would like to admit. And I really wanted to learn a better way to read my customers, my team, and the most important people in my life so that I could communicate with them more effectively. And the most powerful way that I found to do this is to learn to read body language and micro expressions. You see, their body and expressions will tell you the truth about how they really feel, even when their words do not. It's an incredibly powerful skill to learn and one that I want you to learn. And that's why I partnered with the leaders in body language training for business people to offer you a free six-week e-course on body language and micro-expressions. In this free course, you'll learn what micro-expressions are, why are they so powerful, how to spot them, and then how to read them. You'll learn how to make accurate readings, which is so important. You'll learn body language with a big focus on positive body language to understand when things are going really well. You'll learn how to read minds in real time and actually see a demonstration of this. And maybe most importantly, you'll learn how to spot lies and so much more. These folks have trained over 50,000 business leaders and the work has been published in the Harvard Business Review. The concepts have been proven to boost EQ by 10% and sales by 20%. So this is really powerful stuff, guys, that you'll definitely want to check out. So you can sign up for your free six-week e-course at bodylanguagemastery.gregjrice.com. Again, that's bodylanguagemastery.gregjrice.com. And make sure you guys go check that out to ensure that you're never left wondering what happened to that sale or why your team member did the opposite of what you expected them to. What's up, guys? Today, I got to interview Tammy Guler-Loeb. Tammy has been an executive and career coach for over 20 years, and she's also the host of the Inside Out podcast, where she helps people move away from jobs that are not aligned with the true priorities and shift towards careers that are much more personally fulfilling for them. So we talked about a lot of different topics. We got into how she goes about helping her clients dig deep and really understand what will fulfill them most, right? I still have a hard time knowing what I want to be when I grow up. And we talked about how she helps her clients figure that out. 
We got into the biggest mistakes she sees companies making that are driving turnover, right? Why are folks leaving companies and what can leaders do differently to reduce turnover? And we talk about the best strategies that someone can use who's looking to switch fields, which is no easy task, especially if you're middle to late in your career. So really two sides to the coin of this interview. First, how can we better get a feel for what's really important to us in our careers? But then also, how can entrepreneurs and business leaders do a better job in helping their teams fulfill those needs so that they don't see large turnover and they have much more engaged workers? So a lot of valuable insight in this one. Enjoy. Tammy, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. Really excited to have you join us today. Well, thank you, Greg. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a great conversation. Before we dive in, I'd love to get a little bit of background. I know you do a lot in the coaching space, right? And you're really passionate about it. So I'd love to uh, just go back in time and give me an idea how you got in the space to begin with. Like what pulled you into the coaching space? Sure. Well, uh, Earlier in my career, I had worked in the community mental health space. So I've really, most of my life have been in some sort of helping profession, working with people and um, always wanting to help people work on improving their lives in one way or another. But I did kind of weave in and out of direct service and other, other areas over the years. And at some point I was doing fundraising and I realized that it was too, too distant from the people aspect of things. And so I started looking into going back to school and getting another master's degree. I already had a master's in business and I found out about this thing called coaching. And it was a fairly new field. It was over 20 years ago. And when I heard about what it was, I thought, oh, this, this sounds really good. This is kind of a very healthy model of a good way to help people really grow and develop. And so I just took, took a deep dive into it. It just resonated with me. And I thought, this is good. This is, you know, what it, what it looked like was you take somebody and you help them grow from where they are here and now today and help them get to where they want to go. It wasn't so much about a therapy model of let's analyze the heck out of your past and unpack it and then try to repack them into something they want to be. And nothing wrong with that, but that wasn't what I was interested in. So it just resonated with me so deeply from the day I heard about it. And I have loved it ever since. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I, and I imagine back then, as you mentioned, it was a brand new field. So people really didn't know what coaching was. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, you know, if you take yourself back then, you think about how do you communicate a brand new concept like that to somebody? Yeah. Um, tell me how you went about doing that back then. Yeah, it was a little challenging at the time because people would say, what do you mean, like sports coaching? Or, <laughs> And, you know, it was a good question, though, because that was the concept that people had where they would think, oh, you mean you tell people what to do or you tell people how to move through their lives. And the fact is that's not what coaching is. I mean, that is what sports coaching might be Mm -hmm. where you're instructing people or telling them to do drills. But the the distinction is, is that coaching as a field, whether it's life coaching, career coaching, executive coaching, um, is you're really, I would say you're a facilitator. You're facilitating 
somebody else's process of growth. You're helping them to see where they're headed and then helping them to facilitate that process by asking lots of good, uh, what we call powerful questions Mm. and having them start to self-reflect and see who are they or who do they want to be and then help them craft a plan and goals so they can get there and supporting them in those goals or challenging them to reach those goals. It doesn't mean that coaches don't have some of the content knowledge they need to help inform clients, but the difference is you're not telling people what to do. You're not providing direct advice. That would be more consulting. Mm -hmm. Coaching is really about partnering with the client being, I call it being a thinking partner and really working with somebody to guide them uh, to work on something that they tell you they want for themselves. So uh, one of the premises in the, in the coaching program that I did, I worked with the Coaches Training Institute co-active coaching model. They say the client is creative, resourceful, and whole. They're not broken. They don't need to be fixed. This is not what coaching is. Um, Sometimes coaching does get used in organizations. Sometimes I get invited into organizations to fix somebody Mm. who they think is broken or somebody who they're thinking about firing, but they want to give them one more chance. I don't take those kinds of assignments. I don't think that's what coaching is designed to do. I think it's designed to help somebody make improvements, but it has to be something that they're going to want to take ownership of, not something that's hanging over their heads necessarily. For sure. So you said a lot of things that I want to dive into there. So thanks for that. The first one's related to the fact that you help folks achieve something they told you that they want to achieve. But I think so many folks have a hard time even knowing what they want to achieve and go after. Yeah. So let's start with how do you uncover that for people or how do you help people to uncover that for themselves? Right. Well, and that's that's a big part of what I do with a lot of clients is if they're they're saying they might be in a in a place in their life or in their in their profession where they're saying, you know, I know that where I'm at isn't exactly where I want to be, but I'm not exactly sure where I want to go. Mm-hmm. So we can work through that as well. We can unpack. Let's take a look at what have you what have you done so far? What are some of the things that you've already liked? Or we take a look at people's values. What's what's at the core of what's most important to them? And then we take a look at how how have those values either been honored or met? And how have they been perhaps stepped on? One of the things that I love to share with people is a short video by a comedian uh, named Michael Jr., Um, And your listeners can look it up very easily. Michael Jr., Know Your Why. A lot of people are familiar with Know Your Why from Simon Sinek. But this is is a a little bit different version of that. It's Know Your Why, Michael Jr. What Michael Jr. says is, if you know your why, the what's come a lot more easily. So if you know your why, your why could be, I want I want to feel like getting out of bed in the morning every morning. Well, what would that look like for you? So we try to look at a lot of things maybe that you've done in the past, and we look at what are the qualities around that? What are some of the aspects of that that we might want to bring along with us? And then what are some of the 
possible nuances that we want to incorporate that maybe you haven't done before. You know, there are things like, things like, for example, some people might say, you know, I'm really tired of doing the same thing over and over again every day. I like variety. So we look for opportunities that incorporate more variety. Mm-hmm. It sounds simple, but sometimes people need a thinking partner to help them think through what is it that they want, or we try to uncover what might they be passionate about. You know, some people think that if they're passionate about something, it's almost too much to ask for. And I would say, no, go for it. (laughs) You know, I I think life is too short not to. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be exactly what you're passionate about. Um, the other thing that I that I often will help people distinguish is distinguishing between what are you good at and what might you love to do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they're not one and the same, but a lot of times people will tend to say, well, you know, I could do this or I'm good at that. So maybe that's what I should do. And so then I will, it begs the question. So you're good at that. Would you enjoy it? Would you would you love to do that? Can you envision yourself doing that day in and day out? And they might pause or they might say, well, you know, yeah, maybe. And so when I get kind of a a bland answer like that, or I might say, yeah, no, I'm not convinced. All right, (laughs) let's let's take another look at that. Um, The example that I often give people is, you know, I'm really good at cleaning toilets. I'm great at it. It's not what I want to do all the time. So I try to help people really take a deeper look at what lights them up. And I don't think that's something that most people can necessarily figure out alone. I think it helps Mm -hmm. to be in a conversation with someone else to figure that out. It doesn't have to be a coach necessarily. Yeah, definitely agree with that. As you talk about folks who kind of may want to be switching careers, that's something that's a little scary. I'm curious of how you help them to build the relationships and network they need to be successful in making a career jump. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great question. Well, first of all, you just hit the nail on the head and that is in order to switch careers. So there's, Uh there's two, there's two pathways and sometimes it's a both and. Uh So sometimes people are switching careers. They might want to take the skills that they already have developed and and sort of pick them up and move them into another industry. Sometimes people want to do something completely different. They want to learn a new skill set or they want to really take on a different functional role and they want to move into a new industry. So depending on how, how big a change they want to make, that's going to take a certain amount of time. Usually a lot, it could take a lot of time. Yeah. But for example, I, I, I'll give you a story to illustrate this. I had a client who had been a software engineer most of his life, and he got laid off, which as many software engineers have experienced, and he, he had a real interest in affordable housing. I don't know why, but he did. And he came to me and he said, I'd, I'd really like to get into the field of affordable housing. He had no experience in it, but he, I guess he had just a keen interest in, we live in an area, I live in the Boston area, we live in an area where housing is at a premium, and it really shuts out a lot of people who can't afford to live around here. 
So we started to work on this. And one of the things that I, I suggested that he do was to start doing some volunteer work mm-hmm. or serve on some boards of some of the nonprofit organizations in the area that work on these issues. And that's what he started to do. And as a matter of course, he started to develop relationships with people who work in that field and they started to get to know him. And he also built up his knowledge base in the area. So the more he learned about affordable housing and all the different um, aspects of that work, he got a better sense of what was involved in the work. And he also built some relationships. And as he built those relationships, he then asked all of those people who else he could speak with. Mm -hmm. And so within about six months, he actually landed a job in a local housing authority as a project manager. So he was able to take some of his project management skills from his previous work and apply them in a completely different industry. And and yet he still was no longer working as an engineer, but he did have some things he could apply to it. He also was a very, he was a very shy person too. So one of the things we really had to work on, and he was a little resistant to this, we really had to work on his comfort level mm-hmm. with getting to know new people. So that's one of the things that some people struggle with. And so that's something else that we work on quite a bit is, you know, what how important that is, is to generate those, those kinds of relationships. So I encourage people who find themselves feeling uncomfortable with that to really engage people one-on-one or to start with people that you already know mm-hmm. and get those introductions, what I call more, you know, warm or familiar introductions and start with those people. And then you start branching out into people, you know, less well, but it, it can be a long process. You really have to talk to a lot of people. Your best bet though, for changing industries or changing roles is going to be through those connections and relationships. It's not going to be just by sending a resume in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great story and you have to have the right expectations when you go into it. But I think the best way to start to develop relationships in a new field is to look for ways that you can add value, just like in your story, your guy, right? He went and volunteered. He started helping out and taking part. So he's learning, but also adding value at the same time. So he has something to give. And that's something, that's a foundation you can build great relationships on. You can't just go asking, hey, can I get in your field? You know, that's a much harder course. (laughs) Right. And so, if you're, you know, if you're looking to go into something more in the for-profit arena, right, you're, you're not necessarily going to offer to volunteer yourself mm-hmm. necessarily because volunteer work doesn't fit in the same way. But I have seen people do kind of adult internships mm-hmm. or, or ask if they can shadow somebody in a role. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are ways to do that. But I think the key is to develop those relationships and to stay in touch with people and to always send thank you notes after you've spoken with someone and For keep, sure. keep those, keep those connections going, keep track of who you're talking to circle back to them so that when somebody's introduced you to somebody and you have another good conversation with that person you've been introduced to circle back to that original person too, and thank them again for that good introduction. Those thank yous can go a long way and people will remember you so that when they do hear about an opportunity that opens up, sometimes one that's not published, they might say, 
hey, I, you know what? I know someone who's looking for something like that. They might reach out to you and you might, that's how the hidden job market comes about. <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah, never underestimate the power of a handwritten thank you note. I love that. Oh, I love that. Definitely. So you help folks who are looking to make a career change. So I'm curious. Uh, we have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to the show, right? So yeah. they're bosses of folks, or they might own the company. Somebody's looking to leave. So I'd love to get your perspective on why folks look to make that change in the first place, and what entrepreneurs can maybe be doing differently to keep more of their really good folks. Oh, it's one of my favorite topics. Um, <laughs> It's also a source of pain for a lot of people. So what they say, and I have they in air quotes, um, is that most people who leave a job, they're usually leaving a boss or they're leaving an organizational culture. So if, um, and this can apply to a very small organization or a very large organization, uh, but most of the time, it's all about relationships. So if people, if, if we're talking to entrepreneurs and they let's say have a, a number of people working for them and they're concerned about turnover, usually there's something that got missed along the way, especially if they're surprised by someone's departure. There's something that got probably got missed along the way. And so it's always a good idea to check in with people as regularly as you can to see what what might be what might be missing are they paying attention to things like are they helping people grow do people feel heard along the way the biggest complaints that i hear from people who might be unhappy or discontent in their role is they don't feel heard they don't feel appreciated and they don't feel like they're growing. And so while I will say to them, it's also on you to make those interests known and to ask for what you need. It's also on, you know, the leadership to also pay attention to those things. And it's not about, you know, making sure that everybody feels wanted and needed and, you know, all of that, but it is, it is part of a healthy work environment to make sure that people feel like they're, they're heard, that their ideas are appreciated. It doesn't mean that you have to be in agreement all the time, mm -hmm. but it does mean that people have to feel that they're adding value and that that value is appreciated, even, even if certain things don't go forward. And growth is very, very important to a lot of people. And so having conversations about what that would look like could be very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. Very helpful. Yeah. So I'm curious how you bring that to life in your company. How do you make sure folks feel heard or folks feel seen or folks feel that they have the appropriate opportunities to grow? Or how do you maybe see red flags that that isn't happening? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's probably a few ways to do that. First of all, having regular and consistent conversations with one another. I'm not I'm not a big fan of having tons of meetings yet at the same time there are lots of ways to get at that information even in an informal way you know checking in with somebody it can be as quick as you know a quick how, how are you doing especially you know we're we're you and I are talking right now during during the pandemic so um we've 
we hear a lot of, of this right now where people are just saying, you know, sometimes it's a simple matter of just stopping in the middle of being busy, doing, 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 and just looking at somebody, even if it's across Zoom, and looking them in the eye and saying, no, really, really, just how are you doing? Mm-hmm. What can I do to make things a little better for you or easier? Or is there something missing here that we can can do? So asking those kinds of questions or inviting people to make sure that you're open to ideas and then following up. I think that sometimes people think they're doing the right thing by asking for ideas, but then they drop the ball and don't follow up. Mm-hmm. And then people say, well, why should I give my ideas? They never did anything with them, right? Yeah. So, and look, I, I'm not saying that these things are easy to do, but they're not easy to do, it, but, but they are doable. And I think also another thing entrepreneurs can do or leaders can do is study up some of the great leaders. Look at, there's a ton mm-hmm. of great material out there on what, what makes for great leaders? There's some great models, role models out there for interesting and innovative and creative ways to provide great leadership. You know, think about what are your goals as a leader? What are you hoping to create in your company? What kind of culture are you trying to, to have in your organization? You know, it's not just about profits. I hate to say it, but it's not. It really, you know, it, it, there's tons and tons of research and data that shows that if you are, if you are keeping people engaged and happy, the profits will show up. Mm-hmm. I'm curious so, who your leadership role models are based on what you just told us. Well, one of my, one of, well, there are a couple of them. Some of them are, are on the, um, well, more might old time. I took a great course in grad (laughs) school on leadership. So some of my favorites are Warren Bennis, wrote some great material on leadership. Peter Drucker, Mm. who kind of, it has been a great role model, both in the nonprofit and for-profit arenas. Those are two, I think, great, great leaders. I think Bill Gates is a great leader. I love Bill Gates. Um, I love the way he has taken his wealth and really turned it into something that's really having a huge global impact. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate, you know, when he when he talks, he knows what he's talking about. He's not just full of rhetoric. So there's something about a leader who walks their talk, who doesn't just speak, but you can see that they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of him. Mm. There's there's a number. I think leaders who really when they when they say something, they actually do follow through on what they're talking about. There's so many great people out there. That's uh, I appreciate. There's a few I I won't say who aren't doing such a good job, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that um, I mean there's there's people who've written about leadership who I just mentioned who are mm-hmm. great, and then there's there's some who are really out there demonstrating it. Beautiful. Yeah, 
For sure, for sure. So I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier, and that was power questions. Tell me a little bit more about that and, and maybe share some examples. And, and oh, just, I, love that. I love to talk about how we can ask better questions because I think it's a skill we all need to get better at. It's to me, this is probably one of the most important tools that or skills that any of us can use in our lives. I know that sounds so dramatic, but I really mean it. So when I was in my coaching training, we were given this list of what was called powerful questions. And um, I'd even be happy to share this, this list with your listeners if you want to include it in the show notes. Sure, that'd be awesome. And it comes right out of my coactive coaching training. There are other lists of comparable questions. But a, a good, powerful question is open-ended. It does not elicit a yes, no, or one-word answer. So it's going to start with usually a what or a how or a why. So, for example, one of my favorite powerful questions actually doesn't sound like a power, doesn't sound like a question. So if somebody is talking to me about something and I want them to expand on it, I might say, tell me more. Mm -hmm. Three simple words, tell me more. Another great one is, what would it look like if? So getting someone to envision something mm -hmm. is a great one. So it's a great way to get somebody, a lot of, a lot of powerful questions are self-reflective. They get people to take a deeper dive and be more self-reflective. And they're the kinds of questions that when you ask them, they make people pause for a moment and look at you and say, wow, that was a great question. And it's the kind of experience that when you ask them, people look at you and say, that was a great question. Let me think about that. Or they walk away later and they, they don't, they may not even remember what they said to you, but they'll say, Oh, they asked me some great questions. <laughs> um, so, and, and actually the questions that, that you gave me ahead of time, a lot of these are, are powerful questions, you know? So I'm, I'm going to share some of them. What is the value of being a good listener? Mm-hmm. That's a perfectly good, powerful question, right? Yeah. What drew you to the coaching space? Great, powerful question. Mm -hmm. So, and you can see those are the kinds of things that are going to get me to reflect on my experience and then be able to share something of some meaning with the audience. But it also gets me reflecting on, well, why, what's important to me and why do I do what I do? Mm -hmm. And why do I even bother? For sure. For sure. Right. And uh, I think the flip side of asking great questions, and you mentioned it there, is around listening, right? Yeah. So we ask questions, then we have to listen to the answer. So how can we be better listeners? Well, one way to be a better listener is to ask great questions and then, mm -hmm. and then just be quiet. So hard to do for people, including myself. <laughs> really? You're doing great. Uh, I think you're doing great here. It is hard. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of times what I think we do when we're, when we're trying to listen is we almost have like another dialogue going on in our heads. Like, what do I need to say next? Or we start filtering things out or we start, 
you know, um, maybe we're even distracted a little bit making, you know, oh, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? Or, you know, we're, we're kind of, our attention gets very divided. Um, I, this is something I actually teach in a communication course. I have a whole, I have a, a, a visual of all the things that go on in our minds when we're trying to listen. But I think, I think one of the things that we can do to be a good listener or demonstrate good listening is, is not to try so hard to be a good listener. Like, it's not like, oh, I have to sit here and be quiet to be a good listener. Part of how we can be a good listener is to be able to then reflect back to the other person what we heard them say. So imagining ourselves in the other person's shoes, like completely in the other person's shoes, really taking our own, our own judgments and our own experience <coughs> out of it. For just that moment, and just imagine what it what the experience is like for the other person, and that's hard to do, but that's what great listening is. It's you know also we've heard the term active listening, mm -hmm. and that's a lot of what coaches need to do is to really put yourself in the other person's shoes. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with it or that you have to stay there because you don't want to over-identify with the other person either. But you do want to try to, in a, I'd say, uh, empathetic or compassionate way, really understand where the other person is coming from. And then be able to ask more powerful questions around that. And when somebody else feels heard, they are going to be far better equipped to listen to you and mm -hmm. you're going to have a much, much better dialogue. Absolutely. Better communication overall. Absolutely. So just a few more questions I'd like to ask everybody who I have on the show. Yeah. The first is around the power of a conversation. Yeah. And I always like to ask the folks on the show, if you can point to one conversation in your life that had a really meaningful impact on the path that you took and if you could share that with us. Yeah. You know, one, if this is an interesting one, I had a conversation with the director of my graduate program. This was um, somebody who, who I wasn't even that close to. And I, I wasn't even sure that I had a tremendous amount of respect for this person at the time, which is even makes it even more interesting. But I must have gone to her for some advice or just said something to her about, I was trying to figure out my path forward at the time. And I really wanted to go into business for myself, but I wasn't quite ready for that. And she gave me some great advice and we kind of unpacked it. And she really, she really helped me see my way clear to what I needed to do to get myself ready to meet my goal. And I was, I was really pleased with that conversation for two, two reasons. One, her, her advice really stuck with me and I followed it. And to this day, I still follow it. So it was something that really stayed with me. And I was really also pleased that I got beyond my own little judgy self. And because um, we're all, we all make judgments. Mm -hmm. And I listened to her and I realized, you know, sometimes we shortchange people. And she offered me one of the best pieces of advice that I've taken forward and has benefited me for, well, now it's 
30 plus years. And it's really helped me become the entrepreneur that I am. So, um, and the, I'll give you a hint what the advice was actually too. So she suggested that rather than me trying to just open up my own business, you know, point blank, that I should try to get some kind of part-time position somewhere kind of as a, a financial anchor and then build my consulting practice around that, but have some kind of base. And that was the best piece of advice I could have gotten because it allowed me to pursue something I really wanted to pursue without putting myself under a, a level of stress and insecurity that I really didn't need at the time. And it was great. And even now today, I still, I mean, I'm full time on my own now, but I still every year manage to get some kind of contract that kind of gives me that a little bit of that base, like some percentage of my revenue that's pretty steady throughout the year. Yeah. So I, I always think of her. I'm always appreciative of that conversation. And I even hear echoes of that, right? In the guidance that you gave to your client that we talked about earlier, right? Don't just shift and don't just jump off the cliff into um, affordable housing. Go get your feet wet and 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 build that foundation right. and then make the move. Right, right. Yeah, I think because sometimes when we hear about people's stories of transition or we hear about you know, how somebody went from one thing to another, it sounds like they just jumped. It sounds like a miracle. And when you really take a closer look, that's not true at all. Most people yeah. spent considerable time working at it and plugging away at it. It's usually a longer game. Yeah. There's no true overnight sensations. <laughs> no, most people I know who, who look sensational will be the first ones to tell you they were an overnight sensation. It took 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so second question, thinking about all that you've accomplished so far, if there's one communication skill that you could have had in more abundance that would have made it easier, what would that be? Ooh, wow. That's, that's a really good question. <laughs> powerful question. That is powerful. I think... Well, the I'll just go with the first thing that came to mind. And I don't even know if this is ask, answering the question quite right, but I guess there is never one right answer, right? Mm -hmm. I would have loved to have been more comfortable with public speaking mm -hmm. a lot sooner. Mm -hmm. being, a, being a more comfortable public speaker. Yeah. I, I, I've gotten comfortable with it, but it, it would have been nice to get comfortable with it a lot sooner. How did you finally end up getting comfortable with it? Putting by trial by fire. <laughs> yeah. So I, I started Publix. I was petrified of public speaking. I mean, literally petrified. I don't know why, but I was. And then about nine, 10 years ago, a friend of mine who was the director of programs and communications at my local library asked me if I would come and speak. Um, and do a program there. And I just said, yes, I just said, I'm going to do this. And, um, I created a program and then about a week before it was due to happen, she said, Oh, you don't mind if the local cable station comes in and films you for, and you know, <laughs> put on the, put on the TV. And I thought, 
oh, this is a sign. I've really got to get over this. I've just got to. And so I did it. And then when I'm in the middle of that presentation and the, the cameras are rolling, a good friend of mine who happens to be a public speaking coach, she walked in in the middle and sat down in the audience. <laughs> Pressure's on now. Right. And I thought I was just, I was just gulping inside my head thinking, oh, now, now, now the heat is on. And I got a lovely, lovely email from her about 10 o'clock that night saying, you did a great job. And, you know, which was really nice to get, but, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but it was like, it was a perfect storm. And I just, I just got over it. So that was an overnight sensation. So because (laughs) Honestly, from there on in, I just started speaking. Yeah, so, well, years of sorrow before you got to the overnight sensation, but yeah, no, it was a lot of a lot of paralysis before that. But I, I love speaking now. I really do. It's so funny. Yeah, very cool. Last question for you: Who is the best communicator that you know, either know personally or just know of, and why do you say that about them? You know, it's hard to pin down one person. But one of my favorite communicators is a woman named Dory Clark. So, and I say this because, well, she's really one of my mentors. And she's a great communicator because she's a great speaker. She has a great message. She's also a great writer. She's written several books. She writes tons of articles. And her vocabulary is expansive. We actually tease her about all the big words she uses. <laughs> <laughs> but she's she's um, she's she's really um, she's a great communicator. I think she's even been recognized for her skills as a communicator. She's a former journalist, and now she's more of a strategic um, management and executive coach. And um, she's, you know, works all over the world with people. She teaches at a lot of universities and yeah, speaking and writing. She's just extraordinary speaker. Very cool. Very cool. So last, last question for you. Where can folks find you? Where can they connect with you? Well, they can find me at my website and from there they can find my podcast um, as well. Work from the inside out. Uh, but my website is www.tammygoolerlobe.com. And if you spell it any way you spell it, it'll probably show up because I don't think there's anyone else with that name. <laughs> um, and I would like to also add that come come spring of 2021, I'll be coming out with a book. Oh, so uh, I'm very excited about that as well because it'll be sharing a lot of stories about the kinds of people that I've met through the podcast and all um, a lot of the things we've just talked about, about what, what makes people make, make different changes through their careers and how they get there. Very cool. Well, is there a title for the book yet or is that still in process? There's a working title. Um, the working title is called Beyond Career Day and I'm working uh-huh. on the subtitle. And the book, the first draft is almost done and I'm really having a great time with it. Very cool. Well, we definitely look forward to that. Yeah. 
And just want to thank you for taking the time today. I really enjoyed the conversation. I think we had a lot of powerful nuggets for the audience. So thank you. Great. It's my pleasure. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the Communication Nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.